0: Hello and welcome to the Get a Game Plan podcast hosted by the Governor's Office of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness, or GOSEP. I'm Mike Steele, the Communications Director for GOSEP. For those of you not familiar with our office, GOSEP is the Louisiana State Coordinating Agency in order to prepare for, respond to, and recover from emergencies. We work closely with our partners at each level of government to achieve those goals. Thanks for joining us for this episode. We hope to continue providing information you can use to help you with your emergency plans. Today, we will be speaking with representatives from the Federal Emergency Management Agency or FEMA about jobs. That's always a topic for many families. FEMA has a wide range of employment opportunities. We'll take a closer look at some of the options if you are looking for a new career. But first, we will be speaking with legal experts about your personal emergency planning and some of the steps you should possibly take before another disaster hits. Having those legal steps addressed early can often help speed up the recovery process. One of the things we do each show is give you a preparedness tip. Today we are highlighting evacuation plans. As we've seen with previous disasters, evacuations can sometimes last for a few hours or even several days depending on the scope of the event. Think about your routes now. Where would you go if you're forced from your home? It can happen anywhere because of hurricanes, hazmat spills, or other problems. Speak with family or friends in other areas about providing you with an emergency housing option or vice versa. Create a family emergency fund with cash for things like gas or a hotel stay. Listen to your local officials for evacuation information and use resources like 511LA.org to check a route for potential problems before you hit the road. That is your preparedness tip for this episode. We have two guests joining us for this segment. Jonathan Rhodes is the executive director for the Louisiana Civil Justice Center, and Danielle Amon is our executive counsel for GOSEP. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Great to be here. Jonathan, I know you have experience dealing with a lot of legal issues when it comes to emergency management, and many times people may think about things like supplies and evacuation routes and other issues, but legal planning may not be something a lot of people consider. From a housing standpoint, what should we be looking at doing before an emergency?
1: Well, Mike, that's something we've dealt with a little bit at GOSEP when we deal with FEMA. We did start after the August 2016 floods for the first time in Louisiana, the shelter at home program where we did deal with people's homes. I always like to say that we do rely on our first responders, our police and fire chiefs to go in there. And then the lawyers are kind of like the second responders because to start that road to recovery, Legal documentation is incredibly important. What you can prepare first is very helpful, but you'll need to think about it once you get to safety. Shelter at home, one of the things we had to be able to show was home ownership. And it actually can become a little bit difficult and tricky. So knowing where your documents are, saving them in an email so that they are accessible even without your computer is helpful, and being able to readily access them because that's gonna be step one to turning on money and programs when it comes to recovery. So I invited Jonathan here today to help out. He did all the legal services in response to the August 2016 flood, which I'm sure was quite a lift. He's also actually stepped in because of the experience his center has gotten over the years with disasters to take over the Puerto Rico and Virgin Islands Legal Assistance all the way here from Louisiana.
0: Jonathan, do you want to kind of talk about those experiences and I guess lessons learned dealing with those events?
2: Sure. So, of course, Louisiana has had more than its fair share of disasters over the years. And our organization, the Louisiana Civil Justice Center, or LCJC, was actually created after Katrina to help provide disaster legal assistance for the hundreds of thousands of displaced uh, survivors. And over the years, uh, more than a decade now, we've able to respond to disasters from Katrina, Rita, Ike, Hurricane Isaac, the BP oil spill in 2010, more recently in 2016, Red River flooding in North Louisiana, the Baton Rouge flooding in 2016, and in 2017, tornadoes, uh, followed by the Hurricanes Irma and Maria, as Danielle mentioned, we were asked because of our experience with the ABA and FEMA to help set up a disaster legal service program for the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico after those devastating storms. So um, we've been around and we've seen a few things. All disasters are different and all recoveries are different, but there are a number of common elements that go into planning for a disaster during a disaster and being prepared to deal with the issues after a disaster. In terms of housing, as Danielle was mentioning, Really, preparation is so important to clear up any title issues that homeowners might have. That's been a major obstacle for homeowners after a disaster. They may be the rightful owner of their property, but proving it might be another thing when it comes to making insurance claims or dealing with FEMA or other agencies. So we really recommend that people get with a free legal service provider to try to clear up their title issues. They may have inherited a house, for example, from a family member, but not open to succession or gotten the clear title that they need to prove their ownership. And those things could be done relatively easily before a disaster so that you don't have to deal with it as an obstacle after the disaster. Uh, We also want to encourage people to Not only have their documents ready, but know what those documents mean. Does their insurance policy cover the hazards that they might face? Are the limits of their policy enough to cover the value of their property? Knowing these things in advance will help you make sure you have the right policy in place so that you're not left without proper coverage after a storm.
0: You know, even before I started working at Gosep, all my professional life dealt with jobs that were tied to storms and hurricanes and different events. And one of the things I never heard before I started working at Gosep was having that documentation as part of your emergency supplies. You know, we always hear flashlights, water, food for three days, those types of things. But documents are a very important part. Going back to the flood of 2016 especially – You know, if a lot of people would have had those documents handy, their insurance paperwork and different things that you guys mentioned, it would have made that process a lot easier to start their recovery. Absolutely. Is there anything documentation-wise that isn't readily, you know, something you would think of? Any advice to the public about what documents they should have?
2: Well, I would say, to follow up on your point, not only is it more and more important to have the documents as part of your kit, it's actually become easier and easier to have those documents. Something as simple as taking a picture with your phone of your insurance cover declarations page, or saving some of those files to your email, or keeping them on a separate hard drive so that you can easily put them in your backpack and go with them. Having things like you know your insurance and your property records are key, but it's how you keep them so that you can access them after a storm. I think that's important as well.
0: I think that's great advice. I hope everyone listening will take that advice because we did see that become a factor a lot, especially with the 2016 floods, and it'll probably only grow. Kind of a related but not so related note, medical paperwork and everything and prescription medication information. All of those kind of documentations are important to kind of include in that as well. Now, staying on topic, family issues can also be something to consider from a legal standpoint before an emergency. What advice do you have when it comes to those issues?
2: Well, we've seen too many times families become separated as a result of a disaster. When you have a major disaster with displacement, families suddenly have to move when they maybe weren't expecting to. And so it's important before a disaster is even imminent that families have their stability in order. And by that, I mean, especially for families that may not be married, to do things like getting custody visitation, child support, getting those types of issues settled in advance so that you're not suddenly finding your family separated without adequate parental rights. For example, we may have a Louisiana family with one side of the family evacuated to Texas, the other side to Georgia, and the kids might be lost in the middle. So having those family rights issues dealt with in advance will help dealing with things like where the child will live, who the domiciliary parent will be, where you know whose house they'll live at, and also where they'll go to school and things like that. Who has the rights? Um, you want to protect your rights. You want to make sure that the kids have the best access to the parents they need after a, you know a disaster situation, especially. Other things like making sure that any kind of uh, child support payments are arranged so that financial issues don't become a problem for children. All of those things can be set up before a disaster. Now, if they're not, of course, there's uh, legal help to get them set up. And those I would include, maybe not among the first responses, but among the close second responses to make sure that family stability is in place. So if there's not a custody order in place uh, to get with the local legal aid program, there are free lawyers for people who are income eligible who can help you get those custody, child support, visitation orders in place. Um, Another thing that we often see too, and and it's sad to discuss, is domestic violence in the event of a storm. Uh, This is something that people need to be very conscious of because oftentimes when we have a major disaster like the 2016 flooding or Katrina, the court system uh, might even be closed down for a little while. So if that is an issue, definitely approach legal services so that they can help you do things like get protective orders or temporary restraining orders or really just protect your rights and your safety and your children's safety in the event that the regular court system might not be operating as it normally does, just to keep those issues kind of in the forefront so that we don't run into problems.
0: You know, we always talk about get a game plan when it comes to emergency planning. And, you know, those are all steps that need to be considered because those family issues do become a burden at times they they add additional stress and if you can get those things lined up ahead of time you know a disaster is always troublesome but you can do things to kind of ease that burden a little bit if you take these steps that you guys are talking about again great advice. One of the things we do at GOSEP is try to work with our business community a lot because we realize the recovery a lot of times will depend on how quickly businesses can get up and running. And it's also important for individuals because you have to maintain a source of income in many cases. So jobs can be a major issue after a disaster. What steps should people look at now before they're faced with an emergency?
2: Absolutely. Uh, Employment is so important before a disaster and absolutely keeping this in place after disaster because we know that finances are going to be key to getting back up on your feet. So what we would wanna suggest to people before a disaster is to just be in open communication with their employer about what the employer's expectations will be during and after a disaster. Will the employee be allowed to evacuate? Will the employer expect that employee to come back to work? Will the employee be able to work remotely? All these things, if they can be understood a little bit better in advance, just by open communications so that the employee knows what the employer expects and the employer knows what the employee will be doing. Uh, I think if we have open communications, we often see that uh, employment can go on without a problem. What we don't want to see is that employees without this kind of communication, they may be displaced, they may evacuate, and the employer may assume that they've just left their job. Or for example, the employer may expect workers to come back to work and uh, the employee may be willing to, but Without the knowledge, without the communication, they don't show up. Louisiana is an at-will employment state, meaning that employers have a great degree of power in deciding um, what the responsibilities of the employee will be in a disaster. So knowing that, I think you can basically protect your job and employers importantly also giving those employees that information will help them get their businesses back up and running uh, in a better fashion.
0: You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because we talk to employers a lot of times about establish a reentry plan. You know, it may be difficult for your employees to get back in the parish depending on the scope of the disaster, so they need to know what's expected, talk to your local authorities, local police, talk to state police about that reentry process and again if you have those issues uh, examined ahead of time not in the middle of uh, you know a hurricane or any other major event it just kind of eases that process in many different ways if people are looking for legal assistance What are some ways that maybe it's offered that they aren't aware of right now when it comes to these issues? Sure.
2: Well, one of the easiest ways to get legal assistance after a disaster is to call the Louisiana Civil Justice Center's hotline. As I mentioned, we were created as a disaster hotline. And in fact, uh, the hotline has attorneys every day, whether there's a disaster or not. So people can call the LCJC hotline at 1 800 310 7029 and they can speak with an attorney about their legal issue, they can get legal information, legal advice, brief legal services, and importantly, they can also get referrals to other legal agencies or public agencies that might be able to help them with whatever their issue is. So it's a great first line of communication to ask questions. We encourage people to call early to get information before they sign anything, before they enter into programs, so that they have all the information and can make the best choices.
0: On the flip side of that, if you're an attorney and you want to help people or help families with these issues, uh, what can you do?
2: Attorneys are extremely important, especially in large-scale disasters, to handle the volume of people that are going to need disaster legal assistance. So programs such as ours have ample opportunities for pro bono volunteers to sign up. You can always visit our website, laciviljustice.org, to learn about volunteer opportunities. Also, the Louisiana State Bar Association, working with the American Bar Association, makes those volunteer opportunities readily available following a disaster. Attorneys can plug in to help with hotlines, to help with legal clinics, to take pro bono cases. It's usually a very rewarding way to help people get back on their feet, especially if those attorneys are outside the disaster area and can be some of the responders to come in and help.
0: Okay. This has been some great advice, you two. So, you know, we're a couple of months away now from the start of the 2018 hurricane season, but I'd like to stress that, you know, these issues can impact your family, regardless of whether it's a hurricane. We could have an industrial accident, a hazmat-type accident, uh, you know, flooding that could happen with very little notice. So if you would take these steps now, I think that that's great. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. We now move to the resource segment for this program. Staying informed before, during, and after an emergency is critical. We have the perfect app to help you do that. Alert FM is the app the state invested in a few years ago. Alert FM is used by state and local officials to notify their citizens about emergency situations. The Alert FM app provides users with weather forecasts, current conditions, radar updates every five minutes, and advisories, watches, or warnings for both your present location and anywhere you may be traveling. So if you were traveling in another part of the country, you can also receive updates for that location. Additionally, you can receive information from federal, state, and local emergency officials such as precautions and evacuations, hazardous chemical spills, major accidents, and Amber Alerts, and a lot more. The Alert FM app is free to download in all major app stores. The emergency alerting and basic weather functionality is available for free, and there are in-app purchase options for upgraded weather functionality. That is today's resource segment. Now moving on to our second interview for this episode, if you are in the market for a new job or career, emergency management is something you may want to consider. The Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, has a wide range of options you may want to examine. Joining us now is FEMA Human Resources Specialist Yolanda Goodlow Stewart. Now, you recently participated in a career fair at Terra High in Baton Rouge. Any takeaways from that event as you guys look to uh, fill some of the employment opportunities within the organization?
3: Um, that event was actually very successful. Uh, a lot of the students had many questions relative to longevity of the jobs there. They were concerned about about whether or not they would be employed only if there's disasters or if funding was there or if there was a hurricane. They thought that FEMA was only dealing with hurricanes. A lot of information was given. A lot of students became interested. Actually, some universities also became interested in us giving information referencing our company and the opportunities that are available there.
0: So I know a lot of people, you know, especially when you hit the high school years, you know, maybe you have concerns about college or college isn't an option for whatever reason. If someone uh, is in that particular situation, why should they look at FEMA to help fill their career opportunities?
3: Because there are many entry level opportunities there. And we have an employee knowledge center where we offer training on the job training and training specific for different cadres which are actually departments within our agency. So they can train for the positions that they'd like to train for. They can actually take other trainings for advancement opportunities to move on to other positions as well.
0: And do they need any certification or training ahead of time before they step in to join you guys?
3: Not for entry-level positions, they don't. However, for most of the full-time positions that we have, they will need certifications or trainings for those.
0: That's good to know mm-hmm. that they can, they can kind of build their way, uh, I guess, through the agency w- with that training. Tell us about any type of security clearances. Uh, I know you guys are kind of an umbrella or under the umbrella of the, uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. From a security clearance standpoint, what are they looking at?
3: Majority of the information they're looking for is, one, do you owe the federal government any money? That would be any student loans, anything of that nature. And if you do owe the federal government, are you working out a payment plan for that? They also look for offenses. Have you ever been arrested? If so, for what? They're looking to make sure that you don't breach privacy for the federal government, too, that you don't go overseas. Or if you do happen to go to another area overseas or something working for FEMA, that you're not bribed, that, you know, they look for character. They, they look to... I guess your background, they look, they look for that to make sure that if you owe a lot of money, if they see that on your credit report, that you're not easily bribed you know, that you're not desperate, okay, well, maybe I can do this and get away with it and then go and work and, you know, something like that. That's what they usually look for.
0: So even in your high school years, you need to make sure those responsibility steps right. are, are taken. As a father oh. of four, I couldn't agree with that <laughs> <laughs> any more than I do. So hopefully, uh, you know, we can help get that message out. Personally, how has your career evolved within FEMA?
3: Oh, wow. Well, actually, I started with SBA, um, the Small Business Administration. They work closely with FEMA and they provide low-interest loans to individuals as well as agencies or companies who were affected by disasters. And that was back in 1998. Wow! Right, so, as a student worker, actually.
0: So um, I know a lot of people, especially here in Louisiana, we think about FEMA. You know, during a disaster or right after a disaster, we see the teams going out. Uh, doing a lot of the work, the assessment work and some of the steps that are taken. But people may not be aware of all the opportunities FEMA has or, or all the departments that FEMA has. What are some of the departments or what are some of the areas that people should look at or, or consider?
3: One of the areas is actually individual assistance where you, we provide assistance to the individual, the families, the individuals who reside in those areas that have been impacted by disasters, whether it's housing, temporary housing, our mobile homes, rental resources. And I actually worked in individual assistance before, and that was for Hurricane Katrina. And we actually collaborated with HUD and came up with the Fannie Mae Housing Program, where we provided homes to individuals who were impacted by Katrina in various states here in the United States. It was based on their eligibility for individual assistance with FEMA, and they were able to pay a dollar a month for those homes. We gave them other financial resources, and at the end of the 12 months, they were able to purchase those homes at a discounted rate.
0: If someone's looking at applying maybe they're concerned about where exactly they're going to live or or how much travel would be involved uh, in a career with FEMA. Any advice along those lines that you could provide?
3: Well, when disasters initially hit, we employ local hires. Those are individuals who live within 50-mile radius of the joint field office where FEMA actually opens up their office, their headquarters for that specific disaster. So they would work directly there. Now, we may have where they, they'll have to travel to do inspections or to visit individuals, to do casework, but it's going to all be within that commuting, you know, that commuting distance. So we have regional offices all over the United States. This region covers from Texas to Alabama, Region 6, Louisiana's under Region 6. So the options, I mean, the options are there. We also have positions where they can actually deploy out to other states Um, Right now, we have some individuals who are working in Texas for the disaster that just occurred there, the flooding in Puerto Rico in the Bahamas and there are many many different opportunities available they get the salary they'll get per diem cost of living allowance the meals and incidentals all those incentives we have many many benefits available too.
0: I know I follow a lot of FEMA's social media uh, Uh outlets and you see these announcements come across and like you said it's it's all over the country in Uh some cases from the wildfires in California to to Harvey and in the situations we faced Uh, here in Louisiana. Um, If someone is looking to apply or or they want to find out more information about the careers that are out there, what are some of the sources they can go to or resources they can use to find out more information?
3: We are on the USA Jobs federal database, so they can go to usajobs.gov, and they can also go to fema.gov. All of our current positions are listed there, whether it's reservist positions, and those are the temporary on-call positions. We have our permanent full-time positions and core positions that are available on that site.
0: So I know we've talked a lot about young people who are looking maybe to start their career. Are there any positions or any opportunities for someone who's maybe recently retired, or or just looking for a change of pace career-wise, you know, maybe later in life?
3: Yes, there are. That would be our reservist positions, and that reservist program is actually a unique opportunity for the retirees, professionals, and early career job seekers. Um, They're disaster workforce employees who work on an on-call basis during the emergency or national disasters, and they actually deploy out to those disaster areas. The jobs vary from the different cadres, as I stated before, cadres are the different departments that we have within FEMA. We have acquisitions, and they're the contract holders, whether it be buildings or contractors that we contract out. We have disaster assistance employees who work. They work hand-in-hand with IA, which is the individual assistance, and that's mainly providing housing needs, reimbursement for anything that was lost within that disaster, like for your home, IA usually covers what the insurance companies don't cover, but not fully. We try to bring them back to a safe and sanitary state, um, their homes.
0: Do you see a lot of people kind of move into that reservist role from specific backgrounds as far as the positions they were retired from? Many different
3: backgrounds. Um, We have equal rights advisors. We have lawyers. We have many people from many different backgrounds.
0: That's good to know. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I know a lot of people, you know, especially here in Louisiana, you're looking for that career or looking for those career opportunities. So it's great to know that you guys have these positions available and we encourage everyone to go there and check it out. Thank you very much. Thank you. Capping this episode, we would like to thank Jonathan Rhodes and Danielle Amon for talking about some of the legal issues many of us should address before a disaster, and Yolanda Goodlow Stewart with FEMA talking about some of the great career opportunities within the agency. One footnote, many colleges also offer emergency management degrees. It's something else you may want to consider if you are thinking about moving into this field. For more on the topics we talked about, also go to getagameplan.org and don't forget to follow Gosep on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Mike Steele. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is produced in partnership with Lopa and the Gifted Life Podcast. Find out more about organ, eye, and tissue donation by listening to the Gifted Life Podcast at thegiftedlife.org or download it from your favorite podcast app.